Are you conscious of your addiction? Refuse to be defined by it. Not satisfied with living your life on the surface. Are you drawn to deeper meaning and purpose? And believe that it's possible to grow through your addiction to experience true freedom? Well, welcome home. Share the journey from addiction to freedom with your host, Michael Gregory. So welcome back to another episode of Addiction to Freedom. And uh, today uh, I've just had a really interesting conversation with someone known as the Anger Man. And uh, even though that's kind of what he, how he's known and he specialises in um, teaching people and organisations and groups for over 26 years about the importance of anger and, and how to the wisdom of anger, really. But actually, in this episode, we, we talked a lot about the importance of, in general, feeling or noticing what's going on in the body and the intelligence of the body as a, a rich source of feedback that we can use in our relationships, in, in understanding when things are appropriate or when things when when we've boundaries have been overstepped so anyway i won't talk too much more about it i just really want you to have a good good listen because it's so rich and i think it will be really beneficial so with that i'll um i'll introduce alistair welcome to another episode of addiction to freedom and i don't know if you've listened to the previous episode with alejandra which where we talked about anger specifically in relation to women and, and other things. Well, today we have her husband who is affectionately known as the Anger Man and uh, he's actually been working with people individually and in groups for I think is it like 25, 30 years. And 26, on every, 26 years on on many levels, like both you know, individual, group, he's consulted with Olympian, Olympians and other performance professional athletes, business leaders, people that from all walks of life, from you know people that are perhaps on the street to you know, corporate and police. But everyone, I guess anger touches everyone and um, he has a lot of experience and we're really privileged to to be able to to share this time and, and understand further. So welcome, Alistair. Thank you. It's good to be here. We just talked before about, you know, how we might, how this interview may play out. And, and I always get the feeling that it's just going to have its own life. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, but we did, I thought it might be interesting just to, on a personal note, to get an idea of, you know, where, where, you know, I mean, you obviously had, some kind of experience that led you into devoting your life to helping people with anger. That must be that must have been a personal motivation at some point. I'm just wondering, was there any kind of defining moment that where you realised that this is, or where this journey began for you? Well, I suppose ultimately the journey began because of the family I grew up in, which there certainly was anger but it wasn't expressed in a particularly healthy way. And much of it was just held. Sometimes it would blow up, sometimes it would come out sideways. And, and often it was just held in and ignored. It was as if uh, the emotions were irrelevant. And one, one of the stories I tell is, of course, about my mom who who died very suddenly when I was 18. And my dad, who was out of town at the time, came back and basically we just never talked about it. and Didn't have a funeral and just kind of carried on in life. And I would talk with my two brothers once in a while about it when we were all, you know, drunk. But really, there just wasn't any closure. And I was pretty disconnected from my brother's and from my dad, not my mom, but she was dead. And so it was like I was alone, but I didn't even know that I was alone. As far as I knew, this was just the normal way that 
people were, but I didn't know that I wasn't talking about any of the things that I didn't talk about. And so and now I, you know, I've spent all these years working with people talking with them about things that they don't usually talk about. And I've done a lot of therapy and attended a lot of groups myself so I could get all this emotion to move through me. And right. that, that's, that's what I believe is, is every emotion is there to serve us. There aren't any negative emotions. We can do something negative with the emotions or something positive, whether it's uh-huh. anger or even, you know, aggression, which is more of an action, but there's definitely some emotion there or joy. We yeah. can be overly attached to joy and um, mm. walk mm. around and never show any anger at all. And sometimes I have people tell me that. Yeah, no, I yeah. never get angry. I said, oh, that's yeah. too bad. <laughs> people must walk all over you. And that was, that would really suck. And uh, we all feel anger. It's, it's there for, uh, for a good reason. And mm. I just didn't learn any of that stuff growing up. I didn't have a, a mentor or anything for many years because my dad just didn't perform that task and neither did anybody else. So that not realizing I was alone, like I have so many guys that come my way that are so alone that don't talk to anybody. Many, right. many guys in their 40s, 50s, 60s, who don't really have any friends, or if they do, they don't really talk to them anyway. Mm. And so the more alone people are, there's a, there was a study they did in, uh, in England where they discovered that the impact of loneliness on physical health was worse than excessive drinking. Wow. People, people were more likely to die earlier because of loneliness, even compared to excessive drinking. So this man culture of being alone and figuring it out myself and being tough and never showing any emotions is extremely unhealthy for our physical health, not to mention our our, our mental or emotional health or spiritual health. Yeah. So that, I mean, I was surprised when you, to hear you say that about that, how your defining kind of situation evolved. I was expecting you to talk about some explosive kind of anger situation, but what you really were saying was almost the exact opposite. It's the complete, you know, almost void of any emotion. And that Mm. was the kind of, strategy or, or solution that you'd been handed as in your family environment is to handle how to handle strong emotion is just to somehow ignore it or as if it doesn't even exist. Well, and my, my grandfather, my, my opa back in Holland spent the all but about five days of the second world war in prison by the Nazis. And he, he wrote an autobiography uh, afterwards. And one of the things he wrote was, whenever you feel all crazy inside, just act normal. <laughs> and, and one of the things that, that he was good at was looking really like he was completely fine in the face of being imprisoned by the Germans, for instance. And he was pretty well connected. And he was, you know, higher up in the the military. And when he was in prison, he actually had somebody bring him in a razor and a comb. So when he was interrogated by the Nazis, he was the only one who was clean shaven and had his hair combed. And apparently that that served him well (laughs) because he looked like he totally had it together, you know, when obviously there's there's no way that you could Countries have been taken over, you've been imprisoned, and et cetera. Wow. It's really externalizing the the mask of okayness. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so then so then he didn't really show a lot of demonstrative love to his kids. Yeah. His three boys. Then my mom had three boys. And then when my kids were first born, part of me was inclined 
to to hold back yeah. to not take that extra effort to connect because it was like my dad didn't think he mattered yeah and so i can remember one day i was divorced my kids were at their their mom's house and i was driving home from the grocery store and i knew my son was sick he wasn't well and i had picked all this stuff up and among other things this fresh pressed juice and i thought to myself oh you know i should stop by and drop this off for oliver he would really like that and my first like my default reaction was nah and i caught myself i'm like what are you doing right and so i phoned him up and even though he was little, I phoned up because he could still yeah. phone in the cars at, at, at that point. Now yeah. he's six foot four and something. And I said, hey. And so I, I came over, gave him the juice, got hugs for my kids. Like that was what I was supposed to do to be true to myself was be loving and present and generous with my time. And, you know, I just saw my, my kids today. And one of the things I love about my my son is he usually hugs me at least twice or three times when we're saying goodbye. Wow. <laughs> and he's wow. 19. Yeah. <laughs> and he oh, towers that, over me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's an enormous, um, I don't know, an achievement in a way that you have not translated that, that kind of um, emotional habit of just being an emotional void to him that he's free to express his feelings towards yeah. you yeah and and i know what you mean about how men don't express emotion to each other and you know if you're doing that there's you're not quite a man or you know and it how that translates over into you know, the workplace, kids and relationships. And um, it really, um, it really is sad, actually, because the whole the richness of life, you know, is just being missed out and uh, on it on so many levels. And I think we mentioned kind of the, the you know, because emotion is sense, it shows up in the body, doesn't it? As feelings of whatever type of feelings. And and there's this, and it's kind of automatic almost. And there's this kind of intelligence about that. So, which, which uh, would be interesting to hear what you say about that. So I talk with men a lot in our groups about where the emotions resonate through the body, uh -huh. where you know typically we feel fear is a constriction in the chest. We feel love as an expansiveness yes. and, a, and a warmth. Yeah. We feel unhealthy shame right in the solar plexus. We, see, we feel powerlessness there, hopelessness, and we collapse around that part of the body. Or we feel confidence and we hold ourselves up and we speak and we hold ourselves with dignity. And it's like we lead with the solar plexus. Whereas... Uh, you'll know from traditional Chinese medicine that the belly is about worry mm. and anxiety. Yeah. Often guys will come, or women, and they'll talk about it being in their throat often yes. when they're not speaking up. Yes. The overwhelm in the temples, in the, the forehead, the stress headaches, and yeah. the, the anger in the, in the jaw, uh -huh. clenching. And I'll say, I'll have, I'll do, uh, uh, I'll start a group on, on Wednesday and there'll be 18 guys there because we cut it off at 18. And, um, and I'll talk about that and I'll say, so some of us wear mouth guards at, at night because <laughs> we yeah. grind our teeth, right? And yeah. that's, that's often related to anger. Yeah. But we hold emotion throughout the body, in the back and in the, in the shoulders. There's often responsibility taking on yeah. too much or, or things that aren't even ours, or yeah. things like that. But uh, 
you know, it's interesting because I, I'll talk about this stuff and this last group I was doing, I had one guy, probably the third or fourth session, he says, you know, I listen to you talk about all that feelings and stuff that people feel in their body. And I always thought it was bullshit, but I started noticing it in my body and, and I can notice it affects my breathing. And so whenever I feel anything now, I notice it and noticing that has stopped me from reacting. Yes. And he says, I haven't lost it now in weeks. And because <laughs> I'm doing this stupid thing about feeling, just noticing. And, and when people take the time to notice, they're, it means they're not reacting. Yes. And really, I mean, what is anger management more than taking the time not to react, connecting with what really matters to you, yeah. and responding from your core values or what really matters yeah. to you yeah. and yeah. taking it from there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyhow. So I, I talk a lot about that and I'll, and I'll go into a lot of depth about it as well. Mm. I'll say, so, so that feeling in your chest, is there a shape to it? Is there a color to it? Is there a texture to it? So it's like rope or steel cable, or it's tied up uh, in, in knots, or it's uncoiling, or, and we'll, uh, oh, and it's connected to your heart and your breath. And if it could speak, what would it say? If no words come up, well, what might the sound be? Mm-hmm. And most yeah. of the time, people can come up with stuff or I'll suggest that they, they write about it. Now I was working with a, a mom the other day you know, who's like a, an accountant, right? Everything's black and white and in little boxes all the time. And, uh, and she's great, but yeah. it's, uh, you know, often people just aren't used to really connecting and during the session over Zoom, she had this newborn or, you know, a couple of months old. And I said, so what does it feel like? And she was holding the baby against her chest. Yeah. The baby was lying there. I said, what does it feel like in your body right now? It took her a while to stop and think and go, well, I don't know. So we'll just take a guess warm, I guess. Yeah. Mm. And I imagine in your little baby's body, it also feels warmth and maybe an expansiveness and a relaxed breathing in both mm. of you. Mm. Do you notice that? And it's beautiful, right? I mean, just like it's yeah. magic, just like, yeah, this is great stuff. And yeah. she's connecting deeper with her baby. Yeah. And uh, this, this this is good stuff. I, lo- I, I love this yeah. kind of stuff. Beautiful. So I can go all sorts of different directions with yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember that feeling with my sons, of holding them and feeling this kind of really kind of, I don't know, it's almost like a celestial kind of love energy, you know, that was present with the babies and I would feel it. But I noticed it was not there when I wasn't holding them. It wasn't, it wasn't from me so much. It was with them. And um, just an amazing blissed out feeling to just when they're going to sleep on you. Yeah. And another thing, just to comment on what you were saying, how about the, you know, the overwhelm in the temples and, and, and up here, well, in China and the jaw, Chinese medicine would talk about this as the gallbladder meridian and the gallbladder and the liver partners. In fact, physically, they're gallbladders on top of the liver. So 
that, that would say that that is liver yang, the, the, the yang or the, the active part of that that chi, that electricity, is gets you know rises up and gets you know congested, and that's that's usually when there's the you know that that system isn't able to maintain the flow of things, flow of circulation of energy it's kind of like mm -hmm. a regulator of flow a bit like the nervous system perhaps or, and it's usually not able to maintain the flow because there is a lack of understanding a lack of you know and on, on a, and on a deeper level a lack of ability of the whole system to remain connected and that's related to the heart and our society is so much what we in Chinese medicine would say, you know, liver driven in a way because it's everything, it's everything is so kind of um, regimented in, in a lot of ways. And we, we do a lot of thinking to try and make things happen and organize things. And, 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 and what you're talking about is doing a lot of feeling. Right. And, and I think what I do is. Uh, go through a lot of material that shows that the emotions are really rational. Uh -huh. And you, 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 it doesn't make any sense to just work with the rational stuff without looking at the emotions because the emotions provide so much data yeah. that it's, you, you, you come across as emotionally illiterate if you're not taking them into consideration, yeah, let alone with yourself, but obviously with with another as well, yes, because the, the emotions and uh, you know come up as feelings, don't they? I mean, there are mm -hmm. thoughts there as well, but they come up as feelings in the body and quite spontaneously. Mm -hmm. so you can be thinking or not thinking one thing, and then there's this feeling arises. It's like, huh, what's that? And as you say, it, it you know, contemplating what that is, there's a, a lot of information that was not conscious before. And I grew up learning, well, just ignore it or <laughs> shove it back down. And yeah. then as I became a teenager and drinking helps a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> smoking, drinking, yeah. smoking, yeah. all sorts of things. Yeah. And, and, and that was, that felt like my training for dealing with the emotions. So I yeah. grew up very emotionally immature, but I could look like I had it together. Right. I had that for my family yeah. too. So yeah. I could look like I had the maturity, but if you dug deep at all, yeah, you'd, you'd you, you, you could figure it out if you had maturity yourself. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you, in a way you're expressing in a quite vulnerably the truth of, well, certainly my experience and a lot of people's experience that I see, whether they realise it or not. Like even in my sort of local surf community, there's a couple of guys that had a kind of falling out over an incident that occurred and both had a position and their solution to that was actually to just ignore each other pretend each other didn't exist, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> that, you know, and, and I've seen that, you know, families do that too. You are no oh, longer my all, son. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Well, and yeah. yeah. And, you know, and sometimes we need to cut off family members because the relationship is just too toxic, mm. you know, where, you know, you can try and, 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 and put the effort in and it's like, okay, well, you're just getting all this toxic stuff back. Yeah. Sometimes you need to cut somebody off and, and it really sucks because you love this person yeah. and you miss them yeah. when you cut them off and it hurts, but not as much as keeping them in your life. <laughs> yeah. You're talking <laughs> like, about I'll try again in another year or so and see, see how that works then. But yeah. Sometimes we need to uh, look after ourselves, and that's. So you're talking about a healthy boundary, yeah. A well, well considered, not a reactive kind of act. You're talking about a, ref a reflective, 
healthy boundary that better flowed at, at, at that time. Yeah, and it may only be set by one person, but yeah, but it's yeah, it's intentional. And what you're talking about is these two guys. It's like <laughs> they're, just, <laughs> they're just not going to deal with each other, and they're not going to be vulnerable with each other. They're yeah. not going to connect with their hearts and look into each other's eyes and have compassion for each other and understanding, which is yeah. probably what would help resolve yeah. it. I mean, yeah. in, you know, most family situations or in, you know, groups of, of people, it's bring their yeah. humanity uh, to the, to the front so that you, yeah. you feel each other. So you, so a lot of what we've talked about is, you know, feeling and emotions in general and, and, and the importance of that. And, um, and you, you've in a way chosen to specialise in, in anger, which is a specific kind of emotion. I'm just wondering what, what is it about anger that you feel is so important? Well, anger moves us and... I think I just discovered because randomly somebody asked me to run an anger management group and I said, yes, <laughs> I was really afraid when I did that first group. <laughs> and when people go to anger management, usually they're, they've been through a big emotional event and they don't want yeah. to do that again. And they're motivated. Even the guys that aren't motivated, some level usually are uh -huh. like they're, they don't want, to do that again most right. of the time. And sometimes the police got involved or their partner kicked them out of the house or nobody's talking to them or, or something happened and they're, they're feeling awful. In my family, just nothing ever got resolved. I mean, just secrets were kept. So people show up with this shame they're hanging their head. They're like, oh, God, what did I do? And they feel awful inside. Yeah. And they, they don't want to keep doing this. So I see it as they, they connect to their conscience. Mm. And their conscience is like, this isn't me. I'm not being myself. I'm not being true to myself here. Uh -huh. and, and so the work I do with people is, well, what would be happening if you were true to yourself. Well, let's take some time to understand what are all these things going through the body so that you can get better at feeling that figuring out what, what is the right thing to do. Because, you know, if you didn't have anybody guide you through these things, how the hell are you supposed to know? I don't know. Yeah, and, yeah. If it's never uh, been modeled for you. Going, going back to my son, and, and because I've, I've read about this elsewhere and I experienced it a long, long time ago, in elementary school, little boys will walk down the hall arm in arm. Yeah. They're buddies. Yeah. They'll talk. They'll, they'll share things with each other. But once they get into older years in elementary and they, certainly when they get into high school, they are not walking down the halls arm in arm anymore. In fact, they're not touching each other physically unless it's in sports mm -hmm. and then it's aggressive yeah. and they stop talking to each other. So they stop sharing things. So this yeah. whole being a man that, you know, the, these messages that we get about being a man when we're growing up are very strong, even today and they're changing somewhat but they're still there so guys get into high school and they're they don't want it you know it's okay to be gay but nobody's allowed to think that i'm gay so i'm not going to touch anybody and they're they end yeah. up being alone and yeah you know i it, it when i was 40 i i found out that i had an older sister Oh, uh, a half sister that my wow. mom had in in the late forties, 
and she had a very uh, strict uh, expectations from her mother and she was sent away to Kingston from Toronto. I, I can only imagine because nobody's around to tell me what actually happened, but I'm imagining to live with the nuns and have the baby and then went back home and just never spoke about it ever to anybody. Wow. Including her own sister who didn't know that this happened. Wow. Until some old family member on, on their deathbed apparently told her, her sister. But it was like she, she kept this secret even from my dad. Wow. Took it to her deathbed with her. And then Nancy popped out of the woodwork in uh, the year 2000. And, uh, and I still stay in contact with her. So, But this is not really all that unusual. There's so many secrets yes. in families. Yes. And so part of what I do in the anger management work is just to normalize this. So we'll talk about healthy shame, where we connect with our conscience, where we uh, take responsibility, where we face it, where we hold ourselves up and we acknowledge what we've done. We apologize uh, sincerely, vulnerably, and, you know, among many other things, or the toxic side of shame where we keep secrets and we right. typically have this inner critic mm. that's uh, inside our, our head going on about, well, don't let anybody find out the truth. Nobody can know because if anybody ever finds out, it'll, it'll be the end of the world. Nobody will ever want to have anything to do with you ever again. And it's maybe a two or three or four year old emotional maturity level running that part of us, yeah. but it's, it's like the end of the world. And, and I say, and when we're in that toxic shame spiral, we think, and I'm the only one. Nobody else is like this. Meanwhile, all of us are having the same thoughts, which keeps us very isolated and alone. Yes. And so I'll say in the group, as I'm describing this experience of toxic shame, I'll say, well, and if you look into any family history, in almost any family, you know, you include the aunts and uncles and stuff, and you'll find, oh, somebody cheated on their husband, cheated on their wife, or somebody was an alcoholic or a drug addict or did some criminal things, or there was sexual abuse or physical abuse or emotional abuse, or somebody tried to kill themselves, or somebody mm -hmm. had uh, mental health issues, or yeah. somebody had a child when they were 16. And I'll say, and that's just my family. <laughs> so I usually get a few laughs out of that one, but it's true. Yeah. And, and, and I think my family's pretty great. You know, even the ones that I don't talk, talk to, I have some appreciation for them. Yeah. And it's just like, this is what's in families. But as long as these things stay secret, they, they, they have this power over us and they run us from the shadows from behind the scenes. Right. So and let's it's talk not about that because that's, um, that, that's the other side the attempted solution on the surface is to bury the secrets to prevent the shame and the pain of that and the visibility mm -hmm. and vulnerability of that. But then the consequence of that is what you just said that they run our lives from the shadows. So how does that, what does that look like? So that looks like somebody gets near your shame. Somebody says, hey, you know, maybe you should uh, consider like quitting drinking, <laughs> right? That's called pushing a button. Or <laughs> what about that event that happened a long time ago where yeah. you kind of crossed a sexual line with somebody, uh -huh. right? Usually what happens in those moments is the toxic shame takes over and because the, the person is really attached to everything going a certain way, right? There's a perfectionist yeah. thing often. 
and they want to feel like they're in control all the time, feel like they're in control all the time. But when then somebody pushes that button, whether it's in the family or outside the family, their response is usually a reaction. And it's like this deep well of, of heat and energy rises up in them. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how intelligent the person is, how brilliant, how much psychology they've studied, none of it matters. Yeah. Once that stuff rises up, it's like the more they escalate, the more their emotional maturity level drops so if that button is strong enough like they absolutely would refuse to talk about that anybody with anybody ever then they tend to attack the other person blame the other person deny any responsibility defend themselves and there's so much drama wrapped around all of this that nothing ever gets resolved uh-huh. because once there's all that drama then it becomes about all the drama. It, it, the, yeah. Whatever was trying to be addressed is lost in the, the chaos of the moment. And so everybody tends to walk on eggshells around that person because they're not sure when or where that button is or when that might go off. Yeah. So in that family, they learn, well, you just don't talk about this event or that event. And from my experience, they might not even know that they're not talking about things it's just so normalized mm. but if you do if you do try to talk about it even if you do it compassionately and like in the the wisest you know way possible it'll all get distorted thrown back in your face and you'll yeah. be blamed and attacked so right. when we're in a system that's run by all this toxic shame there's no way to resolve things. So it's crazy making. And some of us have been in relationships where that has occurred. Yeah. Maybe many so, of us. Yeah, yes, certainly I have. And so the way you describe that is that the button got pushed, shame appeared, and then the anger came out to get it away, you know, to defend and deflect. Is that the relationship between shame and anger? Is the shame anger? is there so often. Does something really simple, like tell somebody to, to, to move over and they don't hear them. And then they have to raise their voice and then the person feels embarrassed and then just blows up back at the person. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, that's just his wife and it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> we have a kid here yeah. Right? yeah and it's it's just that's been touched and so until that person can start to explore it's like oh this is in here and ideally with curiosity and compassion start to get to know wow i have this this whole well that starts at my solar plexus or in my gut or this constriction in my chest or this suffocation that I feel, or this overwhelm, just by just starting to get to know it. And it's like, that's your trauma. And practicing getting close to the trauma and then pulling back, soothing yourself, uh -huh. learning how to just stay at the edge of it so that you don't get overwhelmed by it, and then pulling back practicing that to breathe uh, i'm gonna i'm just can i can i offer you a glass of water that's a good one right forces yeah. you just to take a minute to walk to the other room breathe while you're drinking the water here you know, it, it just cools things down yeah but finding ways to bring yourself so your feet get back on the ground yeah and your well, your emotions can Right. Yeah. Sounds like um, a lot of people are kind of frightened of anger and it's usually because, I think, because it appears in a sudden and destructive and out-of-control way often, very sudden, explosive and without almost like without a conscious choice and, mm -hmm. um, 
and I know that you've I've listened to some of your other material and I know you talk about how anger is actually a really positive force. And so how do you go from anger being that sudden, out-of-control, chaotic, destructive force to anger being, in a way, a kind of wisdom and mm -hmm. useful? So I think there's all sorts of levels to that. Like anger can help somebody clean the kitchen. <laughs> 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 or do some yard work, you know, just because they're, <laughs> they're fed up. But I think the anger, people get angry at themselves because they're fed up with themselves for not dealing with things properly. And that can, that, that energy can become very motivating, can help us focus. Like in sports, in the, 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 the top games, whatever it is, the Olympics, the World Cup, blah, 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 whatever it might be. You know, the top athletes will talk about how they can actually slow things down. In those moments, they get extra focused. Things can actually get quieter and they can slow things down. They can't do this all the time. Yeah. Because it's, it's too exhausting. But I believe it's the same for us in a different way where we, because they need to, you know, in tennis or whatever it is, they need to have an edge. They need to have some anger, but not too much, like too much. And then they headbutt the other guy or they, 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 they cross a line yeah. and then it just becomes about ego. And they yeah. forget that 2 billion people are watching them on TV and maybe that's not a good idea. But for us, it's, you know, the, the, the story that comes to mind is a guy tells me, his wife says to him one day, Let, let's sit down and talk. And he says, all right. And they sit down to talk. And he says, completely out of the blue, and this is not an unusual thing for me to hear. She says to me, I think we should talk about a trial separation. And he just feels outraged. Like, where did this come from? And he feels all this heat rising up in him. And he's just about to say, what the? And he stops and he takes a breath. And this, this guy tells me, and he says, the weird thing was, he says, I could feel in my heart that I loved her. And I controlled myself for that moment. And with emotion in my voice said, what's going on? Vulnerably. He said, what's going on? And that opened things up between the two of them. Yeah. But it, it was right on the edge between yeah. that three-year-old having, or two-year-old having a real temper tantrum, yeah. which would have sent the relationship in a certain direction, or yeah. the adult man in him connected to his heart that, that yeah. opened up to yeah. what's going on. And yeah that took things in a completely different direction. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting what you just said because I'm listening with my Chinese medicine ears right then for some reason that switched on and you said in that moment he f connected with his feelings and realised that he really loved her and that changed the focus from this is happening to me, I'm a victim, and that kind of surge of wanting to defend the me to love being, I really love her, about being, you know, us and other, more inclusive. And in Chinese medicine terms, that's kind of the liver system being controlled by the heart, the wisdom of the heart to be able to include more of what is what the whole of what we are and be able to act from that. And that is just a really succinct kind of demonstration of that actually happening. So love being, I mean, do you, do you see love being, as our capacity to love increases, somehow anger moves from more of a destructive 
force to more of a useful force? Well, I, I think we, we need to get to know the anger and understand as it exists within us. And so for, for that guy, in that moment, his body was mobilizing as if it was under physical attack. Yeah. And there's that side. And then there's the side where there's the, the, the adult in him who cares deeply for his wife. And in that moment, the adult was the one that was left in charge of him rather than the two-year-old rather yeah. than the historic trauma, right? And yeah. so we need to know both of these paths as they exist within us, because they're both there. They'll yeah. always be there. There's always part of us that wants to throttle somebody or however it might show up in, in, in your body. It's going to yeah. be specific to you. And the more aware we are, the more we can notice when we're going down that, that yeah. path. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. We need to connect with the part of us that cares deeply about the other yeah. and pull back so that we can see a, a bigger timeline. So uh, I had one guy who attended my group many years ago. And he described himself as somebody who would lose it every single day. He was losing it on somebody in traffic, wherever. He was losing it. And he came into the fourth session of the group, and he says, now I rate everything on a scale of 1 to 10, he says. Uh -huh. I stop, and I think, you know, in a minute or an hour or a day or a decade or when I'm 64, how much is this really going to matter to me? You know, that this guy cut me off in traffic, that somebody didn't put the cap back on the toothpaste, or that somebody's, you know, just did this, that, or whatever it might be. And he says, most things, maybe a one or two on that 10-point scale. Right. Most things don't matter. He says, I just wiped out like 85% of my free counts. <laughs> He's still hanging on to 15% of them, but we're not after right. perfection here, right? We're after yeah. improvement, we're after growth. And if he can wipe out 85%, you know, that's fantastic. But yeah. what, what he was doing was finding a way to pull back and see this bigger perspective. So today's Father's Day. So I, I used to run parenting groups for dads, and I would, I, I would say, and I, and I still say, so what are the memories that you want to create with your kids? So when my kids were little, I would go into their bedroom in the morning to wake them up. I'd go in, I'd gently rub their back. And I'd say, you know, for instance, to my son, I'd say, welcome to another awesome day in the life of Oliver. <laughs> and I'd wake them up like that way every single time. And they, they both of my kids still talk about it. Like they, that was a, that was, it's a good memory. Yeah. Or I'll say, when you walk in the door at the end of the day, you know, if we take a really traditional sort of scenario, you walk in the door at the end of the day, are you on the phone saying, shh, quiet? Yeah. Or have you gone to anger management and you finish your phone call, you turned it off, you stopped, you breathed, you took a moment to set an intention and then you walk through your door and you connect with each person there and you say, Hey, how are you? Physical contact, eye contact. Yeah. You, know, you go in there for a hug. What's the memory that you want to create here? Because that forces you to connect with your heart and your head and your bodily intelligence. And then you're more likely to be true to yourself, which usually when people come to me, they haven't been true to themselves. They've mm. acted in a way where they feel awful and they were acting like some kind of asshole. Yeah. So would you say that, so I was actually talking about this with a, 
special friend of mine actually this week about the bodily intelligence. And would you say that in a way your work is about helping people connect with their more of their bodily intelligence and noticing that to inform them of the next step, whether that be speaking or acting or, or, or whatever? Is that kind yes. of a skill? Is that a skill, you think? It is definitely a skill. A skill that I did not learn growing up. <laughs> <laughs> I was emotionally unintelligent in most ways. And so I, I spent the 80s bartending. And and I got a psychology degree, but I spent the 80s doing a lot of bartending, which involves a lot of drinking and a few drugs along the way as well, I might add. But uh not a lot of emotional intelligence gained through all of that. I had to find people that could help me eventually so that I could gain because I just, you know, I, I think that's that's what we're supposed to have mentors for. That's what we're supposed to ideally have parents for. But if our parents don't have emotional intelligence, yeah, or or they're just not really there enough, then how are are we supposed to learn from them? So one of the questions I ask sometimes is who loved you when you were growing up? Who really loved you? And if somebody says, my sister or my brother, uh, I go, Ooh, that's, I, I, maybe I don't say that out loud, but it's like, that makes it more difficult. But even if you had a grandmother or a, a grandfather or uh, a, an, an adult who really loved you unconditionally, then you learn how to love and how to receive love. But if you don't have that, then you, how can you learn? Yeah. So then you have to do other things to learn that. But you know, I, I was fortunate because my mom was good at, at, at least in short windows here and there, of being very loving. So I learned yeah. what that was about. My dad yeah. wasn't very good at that. But yeah. yeah. So there's certainly, yeah. I think, a lot of intelligence in that and just being able to have a conversation about it. Mm. I mean, most guys just never engage in those types of conversations yeah yeah it sounds like the first step is actually just to stop and feel and well to stop and, and notice stop and notice because i stay away from saying feel okay why is that Be i have a bunch of guys coming to me for anger management and i'm it just doesn't seem right to me to just start having them talk all about their feelings it just sounds oh, so it cliche <laughs> it puts them off. And so what I'll, I'll, I'll say is in the first session, we'll go through all this stuff about physiology, what happens with our ego and what, what I mean by egocentric and what happens in the body, what happens in your head, what happens in your heart, your, 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 your breathing, as we escalate up into fight or flight and afterwards when we go into a depression and and all of these things and then i then i say okay so your your homework over the next week between sessions one and two is notice just notice what happens in your body notice if you feel that constriction and notice what happens in other people and what happens in their bodies without judgment just with curiosity this is just an exercise in noticing. And we all go through these ups and downs. And it's the more you can be aware of it, the, the, the more like this is information that we can use for the good of uh, relationships, the yeah. relationship with ourselves and, and, and with others. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, that makes sense. I just yeah, it does. It does make sense because it takes because the word feeling some people would give it different connotations whereas noticing is just just a, in a way quite a simple 
act you know doesn't it's not doesn't have those connotations it's just observing in a way uh, maybe not simple to do <laughs> no it's definitely this is this is not easy stuff and i yeah, tell people yeah. that and when we spend you know the greater part of an hour talking about shame i warn them ahead of time and say this is this is going to be a hard conversation and one that most people aren't used to having yeah and, and yeah. so and i talk i talk a lot like i yeah. dispense a lot of information and certainly in the online groups especially i'll stop and say so any comments uh, any feedback any questions yeah and i'll wait and i'll wait and eventually you know a question will come but the in-person groups there would be way more questions yeah yeah so, so what is a what is because the word anger is so tied up with negative connotation. So what is healthy anger? How is that experience? What's the experience of healthy anger in the body when you know, the skill is re really well developed? Is how would that how would how would you see how could you describe that? Well, that that means you can acknowledge that you're angry because somebody you know, transgressed your boundaries in some way. Somebody mistreated you. Somebody uh, was unkind to somebody you care about. Yeah. Or some some cause or, or something like that. And the anger is is an energy that's in you. Yeah. Uh -huh. And with healthy anger, you're aware of it. And you're you're aware that part of you wants to do something destructive and you're aware that that is an emotionally younger part of you that wants to have a freak out mm. and we're not here to judge that part either mm. it's like yeah well you know maybe i i didn't experience being heard growing up and so that part of me is connected to helplessness or powerlessness and reluctance to even speak up but I want that anger. I want to take care of that young part of me and really listen, really get that part so that it's, you know, part of me needs, needs to be looked after. Mm. The adult part of me feels the anger. And so, well, what am I going to do with this? Well, I'm, maybe I'm going to take some time here to think this through, I'm certainly not going to just like text the person back. <laughs> right? I'm not going right. to write that email and hit send. I'm going to stop. I'm going to think it through. Maybe I consult with somebody. It, it depends, but I think every major shift in the history of the world started with anger. Gandhi, mm -hmm. some level, had to be kind of pissed off at the British in India. Yeah. Uh, among other things, uh, yeah. civil rights, uh, racism in Canada yeah. here, uh, indigenous uh, children being murdered and, and, you know, buried around residential schools. People are supposed to be angry about this, but that does not mean that it turns into aggression. Yes. If we do something wise with it, we feel the grief. We feel yeah. the sadness. We allow ourselves to feel the tears, but we hang on to the anger. It's like I need that drive to, to move me to speak up, to address whatever needs to be addressed, to do what I can in, that, in this uh, situation, mm. to, to speak up. Yeah. Even if people are going to be uncomfortable speaking up about this stuff, yeah. to, to feel the part of me that's reluctant to and yeah. to really be conscious and intentional that i'm i'm going to use that for to do something worthy yeah that's not that's not easy that's that takes everything in us mm -hmm. yes yeah, i was picturing you doing that uh, like as if a situation occurred you were the anger was rising up and what I was picturing was that you were, you know, a lot of what was you were describing was going on inside, you know, 
uh, being sure. aware of that, and but also being aware that this needs more time to understand and to give yourself that time without burying it, so not without pushing it away or nullifying it, invalidating it, but then also then having the courage to then take appropriate action because something's going on here that's not okay. And in a way, yeah, that's and, kind and of, I was just going to say how it, masculine that is in a way, and, and, and not, not, just, not just masculine, but I think it's the good part of masculinity if take the courage using that energy and take the courage to take action where it's required. But, of course, women can do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and need to. And it's going to be different for each person. Mm. We're not all called to respond in the same way. Yeah. What one person is going to say, you know, that's, that's not my path. I'm not here for that purpose, and it's okay. I have to trust that other people will take that path, and I'm going to do different things with it. Yeah. meaningful things, but not, you know, it's, you know, I think it's just, it's honoring ourselves and whatever that is for us, because we all have our own histories in our, in our bodies and we're better suited to do some things than others. Yeah. Yeah. So we, there's a tendency to, to want to really solve problems with some kind of mental conceptual solution you know and and then act out a strategy based on that and and what i'm kind of gleaning here is that is that that needs to be balanced out by by this kind of embodied messages the embodied you know kind of messages or or communication that we're getting from from a non-conceptual aspect of ourselves well and and we're supposed to not no. And we're, and it's healthy to speak with other people mm. and, and get feedback and uh, acknowledge what, what you don't know with, mm. you know, with dignity and with, you know, vulnerably just being accurate with what's going mm. on and reaching out because the you know, our, our sort of historic masculine messages are just figure it out yourself. Yeah. So I grew up with that and just figured it out myself and, yeah. you know, and, and built a, a company, which was just me for the most part for a lot of years, and then slowly started to add people, but mm. doing everything myself. Yeah. yeah. And so recently we, we hired a, uh, an operations manager, oh, and it's really hard for me to let go of things. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm learning, and I'm and yeah. I'm I'm able to be honest most of the time with it, and and yeah. uh, because you know I just turned sixty, so oh. maybe it's time that I let let go of a few things, let oh, let go of some of the tension in the the shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's fantastic what you're doing. And uh, I like what you just said there about, you know, being I, being able to be okay with the unknown, with not knowing, mm-hmm. with not needing to know everything. You know, the pressure to need to know everything—it's <laughs> it's, it's unreasonable. Yeah. It's, un, it's ridiculous. You know, it's yeah. un, unachievable. I mean, the unknown is just to be open to that is so creative. Um, yeah, and so many of us learned growing up that being rational and linear in your thinking is the only acceptable way. Yes. That anything non-linear based on the emotions is irrelevant. At least yeah. that's yeah. a lot of what I learned growing yeah. up anyway. But uh, yeah. for my dad, you know, not so from my mom, but for my dad, that, mm. that, that was the messaging. And, yeah. and he got it honestly, from his dad. But I think for him, because he came from a family where they were all uh, musical, they all played instruments and he played the cello. And so he liked jazz and things like that. So I knew there was openness. Yes. Right. But, but there's also that very linear thinking. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it's so inspiring to to see how you've, in a way, changed the inertia and the freight train of, you know, what your the inherited ways that of dealing with emotion and and you're passing that on to others, including your son. So it's just so inspiring that you know, in a and generation yeah. and your yeah. daughter that can yeah. that can actually evolve. And um, so I really thank you, Alistair, for kind of opening up and sharing a lot of about your story as well here. And I want to um, just ask, you know, is there anything, what's the best way that people can, what's the best way that people can engage with you or to get started? We'll put some notes show under the, some show notes and links sure. and things, but what, what would you say to people if they want to get involved with what you're doing? Angerman.online. We do, we have people from all over the world join us for our groups and counseling and things like that. There's a whole team of us. We do women's groups, as you're aware. Yeah. And uh, Moose Anger Management on Instagram or on Facebook. Uh, that's Moose, M O O S D. Like the animal. It's not spelled that way. My last name is spelled M O E S, but. Uh-huh. Dutch, it's pronounced moose like the animal, like the hair product, like the dessert. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it all. <laughs> well, it both smells good and tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, good to have a sense of humor in this, yeah. in this business, I think. So yeah. the book is titled Lose Your Temper. Lose Your Temper. Awesome. Well, well I'd like to... Um, bring us to a close and uh, thank you again. And I look forward to continued conversations at some point. Mm-hmm. Love uh, to. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much. Yeah. See you around. Maybe I'll have Alejandra and myself on the same podcast. Well, what a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> we can argue between each other. <laughs> well, that, and you'd have in jokes as well that I yeah. <laughs> that I have to try and figure out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I have pleasure speaking with you, Michael. Appreciate it. Uh, likewise. All right. We'll see you around.